You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 206. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Uh, today, I'm just, just the start of the year. You know, we're all coming back from break. I've got, uh, you know, a lot of things going on. <laughs> so today, we're not going to go too deep into any one issue, but uh, I'm going to grab, uh, 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 I'm going to grab a bunch of like you know multiple news items and multiple ideas, and I am just going to welcome you to 2022. Happy New Year! By going over some trends, we're going to dive into some new tech that we might be talking about in 2022, and then highlighting and identifying some of the problems that we'll be dealing with this year. Not to throw cold water onto the year, but maybe to focus on the problems and the solutions. So there's so many problems with our information distribution, which uh, you know what what is more popularly called big tech. I I might call the problem censorship. Sometimes I call it monopoly, and it's often difficult to identify a specific culprit there, even though we know that there is a problem. So maybe some focus on this issue, some continuing focus on this issue will do us some good. It is really the big issue of our time. Speaking of some good, the New York Times has an article out here with some good news from tech in 2021. And to be honest, I think I'm onto them here. I think I know what they are doing. And it's a little bit of propaganda and it's a little bit of a, of a sleight of hand that they're doing with this article. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, it's, the article is from December 27th, right at the end of the year. It's called the 2021 Good Tech Awards. And yes, it does contain some good news, but I can't help but think, you know, there is a known way to promote something in marketing, which is if you have a product that people either don't know or they don't know whether they like it or not, you kind of, what you want to do is you want to put it on a list with things that they like. Therefore, you get kind of a positive association with that product and it sort of puts it in your head, oh, okay, this is part of the suite of things that makes me happy. Oh, and by the way, you, you always put your product towards the end of the list because the first few items on the list are there to lure your potential customers, your target into trusting the list itself. So for example, I can look up what, what are the most popular podcasts here? And you know, I look up number one, two podcasts uh, in the country and oh, look, it's, uh, it's Joe Rogan and it's The Daily. And so I have people going around saying, Oh my God, I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time. I listen to Joe Rogan and I listen to The Daily and I listen to The Local Maximum. Those are my favorites. And then that will cause people into The Local Maximum, a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a marketing trick there. So this is with the New York Times article. They want to tell us all the good news from 2021. They start with, uh, they start with the protein folding algorithms, which we actually covered Back in episode 150, which was about a year ago, so that was sort of towards the end of last year, this is the Alpha Fold system by Google's DeepMind. And I agree with the article. This is a, it's a very good thing. Uh, a, a better quote from the article, which I actually totally agree with, is uh, it says here, Google's overall AI efforts have been fraught with controversy and missteps, but AlphaFold seems like an unequivocally good use of the company's vast expertise and resources. Yes, a very it's 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 a real health break through. So we talked about that in episode one ninety two, um, as well more recently on DeepMind, uh, you know finding. Uh, 
toxic language models. Um, you know, there's so many people who want to spend time figuring out, you know, how to police language. And there's this little, well, maybe it's not little, but there's this other group over here that is solving the fold, fold, protein folding problem and a lot more mind share, a lot more, uh, a, a lot more of the, of the press is going to the people who are using it to, you know, uh, police language, figure out what language should be offensive to us, all that sort of stuff, uh, which is which is what e- every researcher wants to work on, except uh, instead of the, the medical application. So that seems crazy. So we talked about that episode 192. It seems like, it seems like uh, the New York Times is agreeing here, but I have a feeling that they have a way different take on it. Okay, what else did they put in here? They put in lab-grown meat. Maybe that's not your thing. It's not my thing. But you know what? The, the option can't hurt. Maybe uh, maybe could help with, with hunger, making food cheaper. They have an icon in there, which uh, 3D prints new houses, new buildings can really save you in a pinch when you're in a housing crisis or if you want to provide housing and neighborhoods to larger populations very quickly and very uh, efficiently. So that's cool. And now we come towards the end of our list. This is, the, uh, this is, uh, this is where it all happens. And what do you know? It's the so-called Facebook whistleblower. Uh, Frances Haugen, uh, you know, we now know the whistleblower is actually a political operative. She says some undeniably true stuff, like that Instagram is hurting teens' mental health, of course, but the real agenda there is not to break up Facebook, but to put it under the oversight of the government so we can have more control over what information we can see and more censorship and more of the corruption of science and truth by our government. And, you know, what do you, you know, (laughs) what do you know? This is exactly what the New York Times stands for today. And so they put that right at the sweet spot at the list, like right at the second to the end of the list. So remember the marking trick I told you about at the beginning? Yeah, New York Times. I'm on to you, as always. That, that was the purpose. I, I honestly believe that that is the purpose of the article. Uh, so now I, uh, so, so there you go. So that article, I kind of, uh, I mean, Okay, has some good things in there, but uh, but but that's what I think. Okay, now there's another art- article I've got here from the New York Times that I actually think is pretty good. It's about the Apple Air Tags. Have you guys used some of the Air Tags from Apple? I actually have them. They are uh, they've saved me a lot because I misplace things. I misplace my keys. I misplace my wallet. I misplace my sunglasses, and I put these Air Tags with them, and then I never lose them again. It's actually made a distinct improvement in my life. And there are some people who say, just always put them in the same place. Well, yes, in theory, I could do that. But, you know, it, it doesn't always work like that, okay? So I need the air tags. Um, so I get a lot of a use out of my air tags. But, you know, our, I can put the air tags anywhere and then I could track them wherever I want. So are Apple air tags being used to track people and steal cars? Some people think, hey, you know, they, they've noticed that people are trying to do that. Apple does warn you. If there's an AirTag that's not yours, that's following you around, but only if you have an iPhone, so if you have an Android device, or if you don't have any device, this isn't going to help you. Uh, but people have gotten these warnings uh, if they, uh, you know, people who have, have noticed that uh, people have tried to use AirTags to to track them down or to, you know, stick it in their car or something like this. So I think that we need to talk more about this this year, maybe in a discussion with Aaron. One thing I'm not sure about, is this something criminals have access to that they didn't already have access to because, okay, I'm a fan of Better Call Saul, and that's another benefit 
of 2022. Now, Better Call Saul is going to come back and they're going to finish up that, uh, you know, finish up that TV show. But a few years ago, one of those tracking devices in a car was one of the main plot points of Better Call Saul. And so I'm sure they didn't make it up that that this totally exists. So uh, um, does the AirTag just make it easier? And is that a problem? And how do we how do we deal with this? Um, I think these devices are actually great tech, so I don't want to throw it all out. I don't want to say, you know, we shouldn't have it at all. Uh, but um, but uh, we should definitely talk about these these privacy implications and these implications for, uh, you know, for um, for criminals, for 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 securities. So, yeah, uh, don't want to throw it out. Want to talk about speaking of throwing things out that spy on you. There's uh, the Amazon Alexa which I still have one. I still have mine. Uh, yes, it is a point of failure when it comes to privacy and security. You're putting microphones in your home that uh, you don't necessarily need there. Of course, you know many of us also have security systems in our home, which are already uh, taking video. And you know, so you just have to trust Amazon that they're doing it uh, that they're doing it properly, and they have good security protocols. And maybe they're going to screw up sometimes. Well. Here's what's here's what Amazon is doing now. How would you like an Alexa that actually follows you around the house? If you have a thousand dollars to spend, this could be yours. It's not just sitting on your counter uh, on your counter. It's getting up and walking around. Well, it's not really walking. It's it's wheeling itself around. It wheels around your house when you're not there. It checks on things like uh, a security guard, which is great unless the threat is coming from inside the security robot. But hey. This means that the 2020s could be the decade that the home robots move beyond the vacuum cleaner, which we have for 20 years, that scares the dog and gives free rides to the cat. Um, and I don't have a dog or a cat, so my my robot vacuum cleaner kind of just sits there. Um, who needs this tech? Uh, I think there are legitimate uses. It could be uh, very helpful to keep an eye on elderly relatives or pets while you're away. Uh, possibly security. It does have Amazon Ring Ring with it, whatnot, if done correctly. And also having Alexa built in, along with a greater personality. I'm definitely intrigued. Another piece of tech that, hey, this could be helpful, but we should also talk about it <laughs> to make sure. Uh, well, <laughs> to to make sure we understand the uh, the the risks and the downsides as well as the upsides. That's another thing I'd like to do a more in depth show on this year. Another thing coming out. Uh, this no, it's not coming out this year. But another thing that there's an article about this year. So this is to finally to round out the list of proposed technologies that old people will shake their fists at and say such useful gizmos these kids are into. We never want this. We we, we never wanted this or needed this back in my day. We have this article from Gizmodo. By the way, these old people shouting at clouds—they're not always wrong. Uh, they're sometimes right, but the problem is they'll also say it when they're wrong. So it's hard to separate the signal from the noise there. In this case, what is it that uh, they think we want? It's a car without a steering wheel. And honestly, I love this idea, but it might be kind of premature since we haven't perfected the self-driving car yet on all conditions. So uh, I don't know if I'm ready to give up my steering wheel and just have it uh, drive uh, drive straight down the street and decide what it wants to do. This is a concept from Waymo, uh, and the article is from Gizmodo. Waymo wants to drive you around without a steering wheel. The company does self-driving cars in Arizona and San Francisco, now without 
safety drivers. So um, they're getting there. So, but of course, you know, in Arizona, you have nice straight roads. It's a lot easier. So, of course, this isn't going to come out anytime soon. But how would you like to sit on the driver's seat in one with no way to drive it? Just have kind of like a back seat feel to the front seat on the driver's side and kind of lean back and enjoy. Once again, I am quite intrigued. Or maybe the uh, maybe the front seat will be more like the back seat and that there's no like middle separation. It'll just be like one big bench, like kind of like they have in some of those old 1920s cars. I don't know. Um, so again, I'm intrigued. What do you think about these ideas? Like, dislike? Want to see a more full discussion with Aaron and myself about any of these things? Let me know on the locals at maximum.locals.com. All right. The other thing that I want to bring up today, are we suffering as a society from an epistemological disease, epistemitis, uh, which uh, I'm, I'm word I made up, uh, it just means an impairment in the ability to ascertain the truth. Now, it's always difficult to find truth and what's, what's, what's correct and what's not correct. There's always has been and always will be people who are mistaken. Now, all of us are mistaken, not just there are some people, everyone. There are going to be people who are purposefully spreading falsehoods, people who may do neither of these things, but maybe do what they can to obstruct the search for truth. Um, so that, 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 that's always the case. But are, do, are we facing a, a particularly um, potent problem now? It's not like we have to wage some new war for truth. There will always be a war for truth. Maybe we can interpret science that way. The, the act of doing science, science is participating in the war for truth, on the side for truth. And maybe, you know, propaganda might be on the other side. Uh, the way I see it, a couple things can go wrong when you are waging a war for truth. Uh, the first is that uh, truth can get monopolized and then it gets stuck. Now, I know a lot of you who are out there listening are bots. You know, I have a lot, I have a big bot audience. I suspect that some of my downloads are bots. But for those of you out there who are human and you know who you are, there may have been times when you were absolutely certain about something and you shouted it from the hilltops and then you were wrong and you had to admit it. Maybe it was a test question. Maybe you were going to trivia night and you convinced your team to change an answer on trivia night, causing you to lose by one point in the end. How did you feel when you were wrong? Well, if you're human, admit it. It's really, really disappointing. Even if you're someone who handles it well when you're wrong, you must admit that for like a split second there, you had a tendency to ignore it or downplay it if you can. And that's what happens when there's a monopoly, if you have a group in charge who never has to admit that they're wrong, well, why should they? It doesn't feel very good to be wrong. And so we could talk about this, you know, like something that happens happened in the past. Uh, you know, one example that people bring, bring up that's like, like way in the past is the Catholic Church at the time of Galileo. And, you know, you'll often get like the kind of the, the, old, the, uh, the sort of like oversimplified story uh, to the point that it's wrong. Well, they just hated science, but actually, you know, the church had been involved in a lot of science and, and mathematics or centuries prior to Galileo. So it wasn't just, you know, religion in general uh, or, you know, it, 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 or, or Catholicism. It was just an establishment. 
that's the way I see it. It was an establishment having a monopoly on truth, not wanting to admit that they were wrong and having to go through the painful process of changing the way they were thinking and doing things and also having to admit maybe some of the things that they did in the past weren't, uh, you know, weren't, weren't necessary. And, you know, but that's always the case. Some, some of the things that we're doing now aren't necessary because there are things that we don't know now or, or, or maybe are counterproductive, but there are things that we don't know now that maybe in the future we'll know. And that's, that's kind of life. I think our government officials today and our trust and safety commissions on social media are engaged in the exact same types of behavior and probably are the same personality types that would have locked up Galileo. And what's the second thing that could go wrong uh, in, in, that, that, that get in the way in the search for truth. Um, mass hysteria. That's another thing that could happen, even if you don't have the monopolization. Which of the two problems that we could have to, do we have today? I, uh, I think that's a trick question. I think it could be both. I think it could be both. So a recent guest on Joe Rogan was Dr. Robert Malone. Uh, he's been kicked off Twitter. Right? So he was a researcher in the mRNA vaccines. Uh, he's been called an anti-vaxxer, but I was surprised, uh, you know, when I listened to the episode that he got the vaccines and he wasn't spreading that kind of ridiculous stuff that, oh, the vaccines are going to kill you or, you know, you're just going <laughs> to, you might be fine now, but you're going to drop dead in five years, which is, you know, a, I looked into that. That's just not something that happens with these vaccines. If there's problems, they, they tend to come up very early. He's been kicked off Twitter for supposedly spreading vaccine hesitancy. Um, and if you go online, there's a lot of noise related to his credibility and the idea that he needs to be objective. Uh, when the argument really should be focused on the topic at hand to see, you know, so it, it, it kind of shows that this uh, subverts uh, science. We're not engaged in science. We're engaged in, um, you know, <laughs> we're engaged in... Um, we're engaged in censorship, not science. We're engaged in, um, uh, it goes beyond propaganda because propaganda is when you're putting out information to try to convince, uh, the, the masses to believe in something, but we're, we're in kind of the book burning phase here now. Uh, a couple important questions I think have come up from that interview, and, and it really went far and wide. It really is quite amazing how so many people are listening to Joe Rogan compared to, you know, other uh, places like CNN or the New York Times, who we, we kind of think have a monopoly on the mainstream media, but they really don't. Um, even though I think the loudest people, uh, you know, tend to tend to read those things and listen to those things, probably like, you know, the, the people who are, you know, in charge of our companies or the people who are in charge of Twitter and that sort of thing kind of take that as truth. I think a couple of important questions for me came up from, from that interview and, and others that have, have been going on over the last uh, few weeks. Um, you know, first is, are we going through this mass hysteria with this new buzzword called mass formation psychosis right now? And the second is, which is more specific, uh, did the government discourage COVID treatments in order to promote the vaccine? So, it look, it's not an anti-vax position, as some would say. It, it, you know, it, 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 it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's just saying that maybe the vaccine works, but maybe, you know, uh, it, it, it's some people are saying that maybe it's not true that only the vaccine works and then all these antivirals are just snake oil. No, maybe some of these antivirals that have been uh, ridiculed 
like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, you know, like all you, you just say it once and it seems to like trigger a whole domino of people like, no, no, that's stupid. You can't take that. You know, this is disproven, disproven. And so is that really uh, the case? Could it be that uh, maybe, you know, in their infinite wisdom, uh, the, uh, the, the government and the pharmaceutical company said, you know what, we'd really prefer to sell these vaccines. So do we, I mean, the bottom line is, do we trust them? Do we trust the government? Do we trust the pharmaceutical industry uh, at their word on this? And I feel like we're going to get to the bottom of a lot of these questions in 2022. I know it feels like it takes a long time, but if you think about it, this whole discussion didn't even exist a year ago. I mean, yes, a year ago you had um, a case where like, you know, Donald Trump was saying, hey, maybe hydroxychloroquine worked. And the response from the media was, you can't even uh, you can't even test that. You, you shouldn't even ask that question. It's obviously not true. So now uh, it's still an open question, but it's also like, okay, and why were you saying that? Was it to uh, was it because you didn't want a solution at that point, um, which would be you know kind of evil? So I don't know. Um, I think that we're going to learn a lot more about this this year. I think a lot more information is going to come out. Um, I don't want to say it's inevitable that the information or the truth always comes out. Sometimes the truth gets buried forever, but I feel like in this case, the truth is going to come out. Uh, maybe not, you know, hey, uh, you know, there's there's some kind of evil, you know, um, there, there's some kind of like evil cabal of bureaucrats in there uh, or, or, you know, pharmaceutical executives saying, ha, 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 we're going to take these out. But I feel like we're going to find out if uh, some of these treatments actually work or not and you know whether you know did the government actively suppress information about it and did social media actively suppress information about it to uh say hey don't look over there i think we're going to get to the bottom of that uh so in addition to the malone interviews uh the robert malone interviews i went uh, and got a couple of articles that are not by robert malone or joe rogan on these issues uh, the first is like, what is this new buzzword coming out? This mass formation psychosis is probably going to be the word of the year, uh, sort of the, the dictionary word of the year. It's been trending on Twitter. It goes over four conditions for mass psychosis. One is the lack of community bonds. You've definitely had that lack of purpose, general anxiety and aggression. And, you know, it's I kind of think it's undeniable we've had all four. And then I guess what Dr. Malone said in the interview is that then people end up getting focused on a single issue and then put their trust in a strong man. Um, I think that we're suffering from mass delusions, but I don't think it's just related to COVID. I don't think it's just happened in the last few years. I, I talk about those four conditions. I think a, a lot of you would agree we've had this long before COVID. So um, look, it, it is kind of strange to see that you know people are uh, you know, people are panicking so much about Omicron when it looks like it's a lot de- less deadly, and um, you know, but the but politicians continue uh, to pass authoritarian measures and and spread panic, uh, even though it looks like this might be kind of the maybe not the last wave of the pandemic, but it's definitely it, it's sort of getting weaker and weaker through every wave. And it'll be interesting to see in two and three months when this particular wave of Omicron is kind of, uh, is kind of, uh, uh, you know, has kind of passed and we're getting into the spring and summer months. 
what's it going to look like? I think that uh, a lot of people are going to continue the COVID era as long as possible. I don't think the COVID era is going to end, but I think we're going to find, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't as bad. Maybe we have to change the way we're living. Maybe we just shouldn't, maybe we just can't live like this any longer, just hunkering down in fear month after month, year after year, wearing masks, not talking to anybody, being afraid of our neighbor. Um, I, I just think that history is going to show it's a terrible way to live and it, it was the wrong decision. Um, and so, but look, wh- what else have we had mass psychosis on? What about all the violence we've seen in our cities? You know, all the, the smash and grabs, the riots, uh, you know, that could be another output of this, right? It's not just COVID. So the bottom line is, I think this kind of mass formation psychosis thing might be a new buzzword in 2022. So we should talk about it. Maybe we should do a... Uh, a, uh, a an episode just on that, uh, where I've done a little bit more research uh, on it, or maybe have a, a, a better discussion. Okay, the other important question that I want to get back to, did the government discourage COVID treatments in order to promote the vaccine? I have an article here from realclearinvestigations.com. I again want to point out, it's going to be called anti-vax. That's straw manning. It's not anti-vax. Uh, you know, you could say the vaccine worked, but then also say, hey, maybe these other things work as well. So this is, and if these other things work and it was actively suppressed, well, then you made a lot of people miserable and led to a lot of death. So that's a that's a big problem. That's a real life consequences from the fact that um, you know we're giving these <laughs> millennial lawyers control over what you're allowed to see over social media. See, there's a big, uh, there's kind of a, a domino effect there. So a very important question. I'm linking to an article in Real Clear Investigations on on that, which I haven't read entirely. It's really long, but maybe that's something we can go over in the future called Did Dismissals of Safe Outpatient Drugs Cause Needless COVID Deaths? Dissenting doctors say yes. So where are we now? I think that the stepping down of Jack Dorsey from Twitter was the tipping point, the last pretext, uh, the, the last pretext that... Um, Social media is just playing umpire is gone. They have no more pretext. They're not saying, hey, we're just fact checking. We're fair. They're just doing. They're just uh, banning left and right. It's time to it's time to start shooting the uh, the ban gun indiscriminately. And so uh, if we go back to the recent episode uh, a month ago, episode 202, tech giants are at their saturation points. Yes. Now we get to reap the uh, <laughs> now we get to reap the consequences of that, and it's going to be a wild ride. Now, in studying some of this, I wanted to look at some of the history, and I wanted to get out of the bubble of Facebook and Twitter a little bit. And so that's something else I want to do this year. Um, you know, don't get me started on Wikipedia. No, do get me started on Wikipedia. I'm reading Larry Sanger's essays on free knowledge, and I just read. The first essay in the first chapter is on the early history of Wikipedia. Now, Wikipedia was founded in the late 90s, early 2000s, and things were very different back then. And one of the things that that um, uh, that jumped out at me with that essay was how um, difficult it was to control factions from the beginning and how the mob kind of took control from the beginning. And you sort of had this problem where you didn't want to be, you know, a, a, a dictator in, in uh, something like Wikipedia. But then if you kind of loosen the reins, 
people just did whatever they want and it became not a Wiki, not, not not an encyclopedia anymore which was what what the point was and so it was very difficult to um heard that uh that uh that group that that community into making a wikipedia and so that's always been the case i feel like back in uh the back in uh, 20 years ago the mob wanted things to be as free as possible we're just going to write about all this crazy stuff that doesn't belong in a wikipedia uh, in, in an encyclopedia and we're just going to put it there i mean after all 20 years ago was different it was uh you know, it was the third turning, so to speak. So the mob wanted more freedom. Now the mob wants less freedom. It's uh, it's the fourth turning, if I want to use that. And uh, essentially, maybe Wikipedia has been captured by, and also just the fact that it's also a tech at its saturation point. You know, Wikipedia has been captured by one faction, but it's not like a single dictator. It's kind of like an interlocking systems of rules and and culture that make it so that it gets written a certain way. One of the interesting things, so I'm going to read the rest of this book and we're going to talk about it, but one of the interesting things that uh, I want to ask the audience about Wikipedia, what do you think some of the worst articles are on Wikipedia that you've ever uh, uh, seen? Now, I can understand an article being bad if it's something that's so obscure very few people might write about it. And so, you know, those articles might be bad for that reason. But what's something that should be kind of well-known and have uh, a decent number of people who are interested in it, but that is just so poorly written? Uh, I want to know about it. Uh, send me an email at localmaxradio at gmail.com or maximum.locals.com and um, let me know. All right, so what else do we have here? Um, speaking of Joe Rogan... He's going on this Twitter alternative called Getter, G-E-T-T-R. Uh, th- a bunch of people are talking about that. I don't know if that's going to be a thing. I'm on it just to check it out. But um, it's not decentralized at all. Um, and it'll just create you know little fragments that are not very popular. So I'm a little slightly bearish in this stuff. But who knows? I, I feel like, you know, why can't they all join Mastodon or something and team up? Um, I don't know. So maybe we'll talk about that. It's been... Uh, how long has it been since we talked about you know social media decentralizing before our eyes? That would have been episode um, hmm, episode one fifty three. Yeah, so uh, so uh, definitely time to return to that. I mean, we have returned to that today a little bit, but I want to return more to why can't these? Well, how are these networks like Mastodon doing? And uh, and what's happening? So the bottom line is, we've been into uh, this y- a year already from decentralizing before our eyes, and it's already gotten worse. The question is, and you know, tech at their saturation point, uh, which I did a, a couple of weeks ago. The only question is, where is the bottom of this depravity? And when are people finally going to jump over to the decentralized systems that we talked about in the past here, or, or is it ever going to happen? You know, among them, Odyssey, Mastodon. It will take time, but. I need to give a time frame. I don't think we're going to have to wait five to ten years that often people say five to ten years when they don't really know. I I really think, I just have a hunch, and <laughs> we've got to explore this further, but my hunch is 18 to 36 months, and we'll see meaningful change. What do you think about that? Hopefully I'll have some discussions about that in the near future. I'm excited to take you through these changes in 2022. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. 
To support the local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.